It's Thursday, September 16th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Alicia Alfieri. Thanks for being here. So glad to be here, Chris. We've got the business of deliveries. We are going to start today with the big macro. Retail sales in August rose 0.7%, which doesn't seem like much until you consider the fact that economists were expecting retail sales in August to actually fall 0.8%, so outpacing what was expected by 1.5% in a single month. That's that's pretty encouraging. What was your reaction when you saw this news? Because I've, I've seen sort of a reaction in the financial media cutting both ways. Yeah, and I think that's fair. For me, I, I found it a, a positive development, right? So retail and food services were expected to decline, like you said. Um, that was because of the Delta variant, supply chain issues, and fears that many consumers were more likely to stay home instead of venture out to shops and restaurants as a result of, of the Delta variant. Um, and, and those expectations were fair, considering that back in July, retail sales were down about 1.8%. But as you said, we have the preliminary results that are out, and it's showing retail sales up 0.7% um, from August, and their levels are up about 15% year over year as well. Out of this group, clothing and accessories were open were up the most year over year. They were up about 38.8%. I'm wondering if it had to do with some of those back to school sales. And and just to note here, you know, retail and food services, the sales beat even if it's a small one. It's important since some people have really been downgrading their expectations for the overall economy. JP Morgan, uh, for example, they are expecting GDP to grow about 5% in the third quarter. And this is a a downward revision from their forecast of 7% previously. Again, that's due to lower demand, supply chain issues, but these retail numbers, I think at least, they give us some hope. If the economic growth is down, perhaps it can rebound pretty quickly as consumers gain more confidence and hopefully as some of those supply chain issues start to ease. Yeah, it, it was good to see the the beat like this. I mean, anytime there's an expectation of a loss and and you get a positive number, that's always a good thing. Um, it it kind of just makes me all the more eager to fast forward a month or so and see where we are further into the fall because I think that we're we're going to get a clearer picture of what we can expect going into the holiday retail season, both in terms of sales, but also in terms of the job numbers. Exactly. Yeah, I think that you're right. As we get closer, we'll have a better expectation, and hopefully those numbers will only con- continue to improve. Uh, do you have any sense of uh, your own expectations with regard to, you know, obviously, b- before we can get to holiday retail, uh, we always get the various data points from major retailers about what they're doing in terms of seasonal hiring. Um, I think it was Amazon who came out earlier this week and said they were planning on hiring 125,000 seasonal workers. I may have that wrong. So, um, I know it was it was one of the major retailers, but what what is your own expectation on that front because it it, it seems like you know, for all of the obvious reasons, it's going to be a little harder for these big retailers to um, be precise with that number and yeah. get it right. Yeah, I think that's right. So, because we're living through 
still a time of uncertainty, right? We don't know what's really going to happen with the Delta variant or the the next one, which is the the Mu uh, variant, right? So I think it's going to be difficult to project what exactly is going to happen. I think. Uh, We have a potential with some of the the booster shots potentially being available. Hopefully that will help. That will help people feel more confident, more comfortable uh, going out to stores and spending money. We'll really just have to wait and see. Let's move on to DoorDash because shares of DoorDash are up more than 5% today after the stock got an upgrade from an analyst team at Bank of America. And the upgrade is based on the belief that DoorDash will expand well beyond the restaurant delivery category into things like groceries and alcohol, um, among others. Uh, first, what did you, are you surprised at this? Like my, because my, my initial reaction was like, really? I, I've, I've always been sort of skeptical of DoorDash as a business for some of the same reasons that I'm skeptical of Uber and Lyft as a business. Um, it's never been a stock that I've wanted to put on my watch list, but but that was my initial reaction. What was yours? Well, I'm glad that you made that connection uh, with with Uber. I think you know a lot of us know DoorDash from their ability to provide delivery services for restaurants, but the fact of the matter is that they're looking to expand. Um, I, I've been looking at the news for them for, for a long time, and they've created some really interesting and exciting partnerships beyond restaurants, right? Uh, with Bed Bath & Beyond, CVS, Macy's, Bloomingdale's, Petco, and, and Sam's Club, right? So there is an interesting opportunity as they expand. Plus, according to one of their, their filings, they see their potential pool as about 30 million small businesses within the US that they could support. Right now, they have about 450,000 merchants on their platform. And additionally, they only have about 6% of the US population in terms of users. So there is a tremendous ability, I think, for them to grow and expand. Also, I think, you know, I'm a big believer in the growing need for delivery services, big believer in the convenience factor uh, that leads to the, the stickiness of a product. And I think there's definitely going to be a need moving forward for fast and efficient delivery services that are really convenient. And DoorDash could potentially fill that need. But (laughs) there's always a but. There is always a but. I think the problem here is getting their business model right and being able to serve this market profitably. They've seen some really impressive revenue growth. So in 2019, 204% revenue increase. 2020, 226% year-over-year growth. But revenues have decelerated in the second quarter. Still pretty impressive, 83%, but lower than those numbers from before. Also, there's been some decline in their total orders, right? So they had 210% year-over-year increase in 2020, but now they're at about 69% year-over-year. So still impressive, especially when we see that a lot of that growth was driven by um, increased average order frequency, new consumer growth, growth in drive orders, so a lot of growth. But again, (laughs) things need to be profitable. And all of that growth comes out of at a cost. Uh, they noted substantial investments in sales and marketing. And they're not kidding uh, when they say cost. So they increased 154% year over year in the second quarter. Right. And this is as they try to, again, expand, attract consumers. And that helped to drive a net loss in the second quarter. Uh, right. So 
<sighs> Do we have a lot of expectations for them? Is there an opportunity here? Absolutely. But at the same time, have to get that business model right. Have to be able to be profitable. And, you know, part of that marketing spend, and th- and this is, uh, I'm getting to the, the thing in the upgrade that uh, intrigued me the most. Part of that marketing spend in the future will have to be convincing people that DoorDash is more than just the place you go to get restaurant food delivered to your home. You know, it's, it, I'm not suggesting they need like a major rebranding or anything like that, but there, there is some consumer education that will need to take place to make sure that if they are going to expand like this into these other categories in a significant way, as this upgrade seems to indicate they can, then that's part of what they're going to have to do is convince people like, oh no, we can also get things from the drugstore. We can get groceries. We can get alcohol. Uh, here's the data point that that sort of, uh, or, or rather a prediction in the upgrade that that uh, I found to be the most interesting thing, that by 2026, the majority of gross merchandise vo- value is going to be non-food. That's, I mean, if they can pull that off and continue to grow the restaurant category, then that's phenomenal. But that that... I mean, I get that alcohol is um, typically a high-margin business, but is that, is that reaching? Is that a reasonable goal that in five years, non-food is going to be the dominant driver of revenue? I I think it depends on how they how they grow their platform. What businesses they target in their their partnerships. As I talked about, a lot of those bigger partnerships uh, that they've announced are not food related, right? And as they continue to expand there, they really can grow. Again, 30 million small businesses that they could potentially partner with. but again, it's a long road between here and, and five years from now, and they've got a lot of growth to do. Um, as you said, educating consumers to want to use their platform. And when we interact with, with some of those other business partners, how does that work? Do we get to pick what delivery service we're choosing? You know, Are there multiple options to choose from? And what is the benefit to me as a consumer to pick DoorDash versus potentially another group that a company has partnered with, especially for those larger groups like CVS, like uh, Bed Bath & Beyond? Our final story combines delivery with AI. Speaking of which, um, Karen Howe, senior editor at MIT Technology Review, is going to be our guest on Motley Fool Money this week, um, talking AI, machine learning, and a lot more. Ford Motor and Walmart are teaming up to test robo-delivery services in three cities. The autonomous vehicles are going to be equipped with sensors and software developed by Argo AI, and this is being tested in Miami, Austin, Texas, and right here in Washington, D.C. Um, I love to see the testing. I said this the other day about, about Taco Bell. I love seeing businesses testing additional services. Um, if you're a Walmart shareholder, because I get that there are multiple partners involved here, but if you're a Walmart shareholder, what is a reasonable expectation to have with these tests? Well, it, it, it's important to 
to take into account that they are just tests. And a lot of times when they look at these target cities, what happens is they're looking at a small area within those cities and they'll, they'll gradually increase uh, the area that they're serving. They mentioned in, in some of the, the press releases and news reports that uh, for this part of the test, there are going to be some human monitors, whether they're in the cars or in remote command centers. And this is gonna be key while they work out any bugs related to the test. Um, but to give some of the background here, so Argo's cloud-based infrastructure is gonna be integrated with Walmart's ordering platform, as well as with the Ford vehicles. Right, so consumers could hop onto Walmart, uh, order products, and then uh, Argo's infrastructure is going to route those orders and schedule that package delivery. Another interesting point here is this is also part of Ford's plan to launch a commercial service to transport potentially people and packages with autonomous vehicles. Um, but, and this is this is the interesting part here. This isn't the only delivery service in town. So Walmart is also working with GM's Cruise in Arizona. They're uh, working with Neuro and Waymo as well. And it's more than just Walmart uh, in terms of companies that are testing this going forward. So Domino's partnered with the self-driving company Neuro as well uh, for the launch of autonomous pizza delivery. And it's testing that in Houston. Chipotle is reportedly interested in Neuro. Uh, and also there are different ways that companies are, are testing these kind of robotic and autonomous uh, delivery options. So Wing, Alphabet's drone delivery company, has partnered with over uh, 30 businesses, including Walgreens. And last year they delivered, I love these statistics, 10,000 cups of coffee, 1,700 snack packs, and 1,200 roasted chickens in Logan, Australia. Um, it's just incredible. I think, and this, I don't think this is a hot take, but I'm just fascinating, fascinated with robots and AI. I think right now, we're living in a bit of a, a golden age for advances in, in robots, uh, autonomous uh, technology and AI technology. And I think we're gonna continue to see a lot more companies really experiment with all of the things that they could do with this technology. I mean, it'll be a golden age right up until the point of you know the, the ultimate rise of the machines as, <laughs> as, as movies have taught us. Um, it is gonna be interesting though. I mean, you think about this story uh, overlaid with the backdrop of, of what we were talking about with DoorDash. And, mm -hmm. you know, this does seem like an area, and, and I'm talking just about delivery in general. And we can be talking about human beings, including Uber and Lyft. We can be talking about food, alcohol, groceries, whatever. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing to see the amount of money that's pouring into this. And business is saying, no, we, we, we want to be involved in this as opposed to just outsourcing it. And I'm not saying it's a zero-sum game, but some of these companies are not going to win and others are just going to give up. There are absolutely going to be businesses that try this and say, you know what? It's just easier for us to partner with DoorDash, or or others are going to say, no, we're going to have in our own area. Like if you're Walmart, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if three years from now Walmart says, no, we've got our areas. It's not all over the country, but in these certain areas, we've got our autonomous vehicles, and we're fine. Thanks. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to be a lot of acquisition activity that that happens here. Like you said, a lot of people dropping out of the market, a lot of testing and potentially some failures too. You know, there is a, a big logistics component to a lot of these delivery services, whether it's DoorDash or uh, a, a four-wheel cute size of a, of a cooler delivery bot, right? Um, that that needs to be explored. In terms of, of, of robots, I think we have the, the issue of interaction with traffic, interaction with, with people, and, and potentially making sure your products get to the destination, right? So a little bit of liability that something like DoorDash doesn't have. At the same time, since DoorDash is into delivery services, maybe we'll see them look toward autonomous delivery as well. Fascinating stuff. Alicia Alfieri, great talking to you as always. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool, may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery, the show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>